the Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined today by Matt Williamson. Matt, the draft is almost here. We're, we're so close. Are you ready Happy for Draft it? Day Eve to all. This is, <laughs> uh, in the day, I've gotten a little older now. I'm 42 years old, but I honestly didn't, you know, 85% of my life, I didn't sleep the night before the draft because I slept better on Christmas Eve than I did the night before the draft. I mean, this to me is, um, you know, I always told my, my wife, then girlfriend, just leave me alone that weekend. I mean, uh, it's it's my favorite couple days of the of the year. And now what I like the most about it, honestly, is sort of like in free agency, but even more so, and I talk about this a lot on here, it's really the one time that NFL teams don't lie to you. You know, that if they make a pick, it's for a reason. You know, they're telling you that they're going to use this guy down the line. Or if you, as, as Sig always says, if you read the tea leaves, you can find out an awful lot about what organizations think about themselves and what they need and where they're at just by analyzing their drafts. Absolutely. It's, it's not only an exciting time for Dynasty players because it, it signals the beginning of uh, Dynasty rookie draft season but because of exactly what you're saying, that it, it, we can learn so much from the team's plans for the upcoming year and, and years to come. So it's an exciting time. I know uh, we're both looking forward to it, and, and all of our listeners are as well. Uh, and, of course, we'll be, we'll be back uh, early next week to reflect on everything that happens this weekend and the implications when it comes to your dynasty teams. Uh, we're going to switch things up a little bit today, though. Uh, one thing... Matt, that a lot of our listeners have been asking for, and unfortunately we can't really deliver this personally, is some IDP coverage. I know I don't play in any IDP leagues. I don't believe you do either. But we've got an IDP expert today, Eric Coleman. Eric's a former writer, co-writer of mine over at DLF, and he's now working with the guys at the Saturday to Sunday podcast. They do a great job covering college players, and, and this is this is really their time of year when they've had some great work lately on, on their podcast, so we're excited to have Eric with us. Uh, Eric will be in on in just a few minutes to talk about not only rookies, but these IDP rookies, defensive players, and Matt, he's really going to uh, take us to school today and teach us some things about, uh, gen in general, IDP uh, dynasty leagues and specifically these incoming rookies. Yeah, and, and I think you and I both have to apologize ahead of time because my hunch is many people out there listening know a lot more about IDP fantasy football than you and I do. I mean, I, I can talk intelligently about these these oncoming rookies, and I am excited to talk to them about that, but I'm going to ask some really preliminary questions. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of how you how you the rules go and how the scoring works and those type of things. So it, it's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Eric was telling me what a linebacker was before we started. He was talking to me about that, so I've I've got a, a little end. this is a linebacker. A, a little knowledge built up, and and he'll give us some more later. Uh, I know before we dig into that topic, I know you wanted to talk about Sam Bradford. We talked last week, of course, the Eagles a little over a week ago made the big trade to move up to number two. The presumption is they're going to be selecting Carson Wentz with that second pick. And, you know, to the surprise of no one, Sam Bradford is not happy. He just got a new two-year contract, $35 million. Poor guy. Yeah, exactly. We, we don't feel sorry for him. Uh, he got an $11 million signing bonus. And, of course, they gave 
relatively big money to uh, to their backup as well, Chase Daniel. So who knows? You know, they're going to end up with three quarterbacks, unless of course that is they follow through on on this latest demand. And Sam Bradford has demanded a trade, and, and I know you had some thoughts on that. So what do you see with that? As far as uh, yeah, I'm going to go on a little rant here and. I commend the Eagles for doing it because, you know, when I was writing team needs going into the draft, the Eagles were one of the teams that I thought were the hardest to find massive needs for. I thought they set themselves up to make an aggressive move like this, a potential franchise-changing move like this. Um, so they're going all in on Wentz. But, but they're not really going in all in because they do have Chase Daniel there, who I think that knows the system better than anyone else. I mean, he's coming over from Kansas City. With Peterson, he's the perfect bridge guy. And when they signed Bradford, I assume they just didn't think this was even a possibility. I mean, maybe they hadn't quite fallen in love with Wentz or, or Goff at the time. You know, they hadn't traded up yet in the first round to get even closer, to get it within striking distance. But the things I want to talk about is, and the reason I brought it up really is because I've mentioned it on Twitter, and for some reason, well, I get it, Bradford's like the most hated guy on Twitter. And... I understand. I mean, he came in the league as a first overall pick. He has not lived up to it. And frankly, there probably hasn't been a player in history that has more excuses. You know, boy, he doesn't have an offensive line. He doesn't have receivers. He changes systems. Oh, he got hurt. You know, eventually you got to put the, you know, look in the mirror and say, maybe this is who he is. But I thought he played extremely, well, extremely well, very well the second half of last year despite being in a new system, getting to the Eagles injured, hardly could play in the preseason because he was injured, you know, didn't have a lot around him, not not very much in terms of receivers or running game. And I sent a tweet out saying, if I'm the Broncos or the Jets, I would be all over paying Sam Bradford, who we figured out before, if you acquire Bradford right now, it costs you $7 million for this year, which any way you cut it, that's a bargain for a starting quarterback. And next year he costs you twelve. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, he paid he played like a twelve plus million dollar quarterback the second half of last year. And I'm still on my rant here. I'm on my, my rant here, but Jets fans went insane. He's not close to as good as Fitzpatrick. You're out of your mind. I don't think it's even close. I would have Bradford ten times over Fitzpatrick. I would have Bradford over Sanchez for sure. The Eagles agreed with me last year. But the one thing I just wanted to bring up, and I don't even know if it changes much in the world of dynasty, but I don't think it's all that far-fetched that we might have five, six, seven teams with new starting quarterbacks this time next year. You know, I mean, could Kaepernick move? Could McCown move? I still think McCown's a good player. Uh, Bradford could certainly move. Fitzpatrick's going to play football for somebody. You know, the the two start, the two top as the top of the draft are going to enter the league. What's Denver going to do? What are the Jets going to do? I mean, there's a lot of you know, wheels in motion right now with NFL starting quarterbacks. Yeah, and a lot of those teams need to answer that that question, that quarterback question, very soon. You know, there's certainly some doubt as to who their starting quarterback will be here just in a few months, let alone a year from now. And Bradford should be one of those starters for some team. You know, I've seen the comments made that the Eagles still view Bradford as their starter. They want to let Carson Wentz sit a year uh, and, you know, learn the NFL and et cetera. Do you buy into that or, I don't know, do you think, do you think they're well, eager to yes. trade Bradford? 
No, because I don't think they, whenever they signed them, I don't think they forecasted this coming. But they could, uh, even though they don't have a lot of needs, they, they are very light on picks now over the next couple of years because of this trade. So I think they need to, I think they need to move them. Daniel obviously is a very high-end number two. And Wentz, even though he's at North Dakota State, is very NFL ready from above the shoulders. And you don't have to rush him in there. You know, we see it all the time. I remember when the Jaguars drafted Bortles. We're going to sit him all year. He needs that red shirt year, which he did. Well, by week three, he was a starter. You know, I mean, like, sometimes it's hard to keep the most talented guy off the field. Sometimes the owner is saying, hey, why do we invest all this money in this guy to hold a clipboard? Or the team's not very good. Let's get him in there now. So I'm sure Goff and Wentz are going to play plenty this year. Um, uh, so Brad, moving Bradford makes a lot of sense, although you, you know, it's a bad deal if you knew this was going to happen. They never would have signed him to begin with. Well, we'll see if we'll see if Bradford gets moved potentially this weekend. Of course, Colin Kaepernick, another quarterback who's been rumored to be on the trading block. We'll see also if if he gets moved uh, during the draft. Uh, now, though, let's move over to uh, our IDP coverage uh, and let's welcome in Eric. Eric, how's it going today? I'm excited to be here. You guys talked about it being Christmas Day tomorrow. This is like my Christmas Eve Christmas present, getting to hang out with you guys, talk <laughs> about defensive football. I'm excited. Well, we're we're glad to have you on, and you know, like like we said earlier, our our um, IDP knowledge base is very limited, so we're going to rely on you to to bring our listeners some great information today, and I know you can live up to that. Uh, let, let's start really basic, and these questions are mostly for me. I, I, Matt said it earlier, our listeners probably know a lot of these things already, especially if they do play in IDP leagues. Let's just talk about the most valuable positions when it comes to, to IDP and with that focus on dynasty. So, of course, if you're building a team, an offensive-only team, everybody seems to build their team around those, those wide receivers. On the IDP side of things, is that position linebacker? Yeah, it's totally linebacker. Everyone builds their core around linebackers. They seem to they seem to stay around for a while. They can really carry your team, especially if you have a equal more equal scoring. Linebackers can really carry your team into the playoffs, just like a, a strong four deep, five deep wide receiver core could. As far as defense, defensive end is probably the next most valuable position. Now, I'm I'm speaking in generalities. There's so many different scoring formats and positional setups, and I, I assume we're going to talk about those in a, in a minute and which ones you know I prefer. But defensive end can kind of be viewed as tight end at a little bit of a level. There's some really elite ones. There's four or five really elite ones that are difference makers. Then there's nice core of guys that are going to get you good points, and then it drops off pretty quick. So those are really at a 10,000-foot view. There's a, there's a quick look at it. Okay, along those lines then, Eric, is in a general scoring situation, is J.J. Watt an end? Yeah, he's an end. And he's a, a complete difference maker. Is he the number one pick overall, or do you take a guy like Keekley over him? No, Watt is by far. Here's an okay. example. Yeah, I, okay. I play in a league where we have even scoring, and it's it's crazy even scoring. I Some of the IDP guys, we brainstorm a while to get the scoring even. The, the league's aptly named No Player Left Behind. But I recently traded J.J. Watt for Allen Robinson. I mean, that's as high as the value can get. Most leagues aren't that even, but... That's the type of value we're talking. So he's like Gronk plus. And yeah, like Gronk, you mentioned, like on tight ends. I mean, he's yeah, by far in that the draft. Guy. JJ Watt went like 104, and Gronk went 105. That was startup was last year. 
Wow, cool. Okay, I'm getting it. Talk a little bit more about some of the different scoring systems there are. Do they pretty much all favor linebacker, and where do some of the other IDP positions come into play? So there's kind of two major formats people talk about, tackle heavy or sack heavy. And that ratio is somewhere in a 1 to 3, 1 to 4 range where it goes from one to the other. So if it's lower, 1 to 3 or lower, we consider it tackle heavy. And if it's 1 to 4 or higher, we consider it sack heavy. As you go more sack heavy, defensive ends get more value and to a lesser extent outside linebackers. The more tackle heavy you are, the even more important those, those linebackers become. So there's a lot of edge players, like a Justin Houston, I'm just kind of guessing off the top of my head. They're not going to get a ton of tackles, though. But if they get you 18 sacks, they're a lot more valuable in these sack-heavy leagues. They, they are a lot more valuable, but they're extremely volatile. So they're, they're dicey picks, and normally they don't carry as much value unless you're in one of these sack-heavy leagues. Now, I like to play in leagues that try to value other positions. I prefer to just have the starting requirements be simple, linebacker, defensive line, DB. Some people like to have defensive tackle and those things. But what I like to do is keep the starting requirements simple and make, give you bonuses. So defensive tackles get more for tackles. Because if a defensive tackle is making a tackle, it means more to the game. He's probably filling a gap and stopping a running back for one or two yards. That's a big deal. Or if a t defensive tackle gets a tackle for a loss. It changes the game when Kawan Short gets minus two yards on a running back. So I like to pump up the scoring for those positions that really score less in the box score. So, okay, along those lines then, if you're valuing everyone in the NFL, kind of like what you said, is Aaron Donald then like a top five pick? Because he's one of those rare, unbelievably productive interior players? He's only a top five pick if you play what defensive tackle premium. You give okay. those defensive tackles a bump for tackles, a bump for sacks. In that, in that league where we tried to make things equal, Aaron Donald is probably the second most valuable defensive player. Okay. So, Eric, talk a little bit about how a team's defensive scheme can really affect a player's value. You know, of course, we hear about 3-4 versus 4-3, uh, but I know there's so much more that goes into it. And some of, these, some of these players, these incoming rookies that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, might look like players that you're going to be targeting uh, as, as you, your rookie drafts near, but if they end up on the wrong team and the wrong scheme, I'm assuming their value could, could change drastically. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the name of the game in IDP. Last year, if you play IDP, there was a huge debacle with Malik Jackson. Is he a linebacker? Is he a defensive end? Well, they play a 3-4 technically, but his hand's in the dirt 60% of the time. So what is he? As a linebacker, his value's middling. As a defensive end, his, his, his value's top 10. So that's kind of an annoying part of IDP, and it really changes the value of these rookies. When we talk about the rookies, I will talk about who I see as probably more of a stand-up outside linebacker and who's more of a 6-7 tech defensive end. But unfortunately, it changes it. Maybe someday we'll get like an edge designation and we can wrap them all together, but that even also has holes, so it's tricky. I bet it's really tricky, and I bet it's getting even trickier deciphering Dion Buchanan, Mark Barron. I mean, the, the line between linebacker and safety is getting blurrier, too. Extremely. And, and those guys were cheat codes last year because they were technically safeties. I think we're seeing that they're technically – they're calling them linebackers this year on MFL. So that changes things. Mark Barron and Dion Buchanan's value just changed huge. I mean, they're still going to get a lot of tackles and be solid linebackers. 
right. they're not the cheat code they were last year. So as a safety, those guys were gold. As linebackers, they're a little more ordinary. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. So Eric, you recently hosted a IDP only rookie mock draft, which is posted over at DLF right now. And I just want to go through some of those picks. If if you can give us some information on what you've seen uh, as you've been scouting those players and preparing for for the draft and for your own rookie drafts, and we'll just go from there. Does that sound good? That sounds wonderful. We actually did three rounds. We only have one round posted right now. We'll get the other two rounds up this week. I think we're going to focus on the first round. But, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. So even even for us non-IDP guys, this this guy that went one, 101 is, is very well known, had a huge amount of success on the college level, and he's under that microscope like, like all of these top guys. The concerns are coming out, and I just want you to talk about that as well. Miles Jack, the linebacker from UCLA, was the top choice in the rookie draft. Is he is he kind of the equivalent to Ezekiel Elliott in that he's hands down the top IDP at this point? Well, that's it. I don't think he's the top IDP after his medical recheck. They think there's articular cartilage damage in that knee, some type of arthritic condition, think Jay Ajayi. But I don't know. It's really tough. We're getting different reports. Uh, somebody said no teams red flagged him, and another team said some teams have completely knocked him off their board. So it's a little tricky. And if everyone was magically healthy, the conversation went between Jalen Smith and Miles Jack. But right now, since Miles Jack is at least working out for people, we don't have any real numbers on him. He didn't work out at the combine. He didn't work out at the pro day. We didn't get numbers from his personal workout. So it's a little dicey. Now, you have to take that first pick with a little bit of grain of salt. Uh, it was a guy, Tyler Huggins, who's a Dynasty IDP playbook, great podcast guy, great guy, period. But he's been in love with Miles Jack for a long, long time. So it's fitting that he made that pick. I'm scared by Miles Jack. He's not my 101, but I understand the pick because there's so much talent there. Now, the guys that over at Draft Breakdown, Justin Higdon, I, I love those guys but they're worried about the translation. Can he really translate? Because he blew a lot of assignments. He played a lot of different positions. He you know, he played on the slot corner. He played on the edge. He played middle linebacker. It was really hard to project him. It's going to take some projection to put him where we want to. Personally, I like him most at the Jaguars. I think that's a great place for him to go. He could play the auto there and be a movable chess piece, rush the passer when they run that 46 bear front they like to do or cheat back, cover the tight end, run, you know, go all the way to the weak side off the Leo side and create some pressure there. Like that, from a fantasy standpoint, I like him with the Giants. On Jack, tell me if I'm on, on target here. I mean, he's going to be an every-down linebacker no matter what. We're, so I'm not sure that his scheme matters all that much. You know, I mean, if it's 3-4 versus 4-3, but I would think what you really want to see from Jack as an owner is that he gets picked fourth overall or fifth overall because then the NFL isn't as worried about his knees. You know, I never believe anything this time of year. I mean, should we believe about the knees or not? But if he falls to, like, the late first round, all of a sudden I would be really worried about him as a dynasty asset. I 100% agree. The draft's going to tell us everything on Miles Jack knee and where, where they take him. If somebody takes him fifth overall, yeah, maybe he is my 101. I, I totally get that. And, and we know draft pedigree just means a ton. Even if the knee's not in good shape, draft pedigree is going to give him more shots. Uh, real quick, and I wanted to ask this before we got into the individual players, 
But two things I think are that I know about IDP, and one of them is very obvious, and I'm not sure everyone out there realizes it, but obviously a linebacker that plays every down is worth a lot more than the two down thumpers. I mean, I think that goes without saying. You can expand upon that. But corners are – one of the reasons I don't like IDP, no offense, are good corners aren't good players because nobody throws at them and they don't get any stats. You're right, but there is a small correlation. So I've actually done some work on this, and the, the league scoring in that one league I mentioned reflects this. There's actually a reasonable correlation between passes defended and PFF grade. Now, PFF grade is not the end-all, be-all, but right. I was trying to find a number, a stat, something that reflected how good a corner is. Like Vontae Davis gets a lot of passes defended. Josh Norman gets a number of passes defended. They still get thrown at because they cover number one receivers, and guess what? Matt Ryan forces the ball to Julio Jones. It's going to happen. So there is a correlation there, but it means cranking down tackles for cornerbacks and cranking up passes defended. And that's right now in the industry, that's a little avant-garde. All right, and, and lastly then on corners, though. I, I mean, from what I'm learning over this last you know half hour or so, I would much rather have a zone-based corner than a man-to-man corner whose eyes are glued on his receiver instead of the ball in the air. You know, I want Norman versus Revis. Yeah, totally. A zone corner is better. And even, unfortunately, a corner that plays a lot and is terrible will help you from a tackle point of view. Which Kyle is great. Right, yeah. a great example. How about, like, Blake from my Steelers last year? I mean, he got torched, but he was always on the field. Yeah, he's a junk show. William Gay's always been nice for that reason, too. Right, right. That makes sense. All right, Eric. So you mentioned that you, you had some concern about Jack. He, he's at this point, based on what we know, not your one one point oh one. And we're going to try to get into all of these guys, but I'll just kind of let you handle this transition. Who is your one point oh one? And go ahead and talk about that player. It's Darren Lee from Ohio State. He doesn't have the injury concerns. He's not the talent Jalen Smith or Miles Jack is, but I don't think he's far off of it. A lot of people quote size concerns. He's almost 240. He's 6'1". He's pretty big for a linebacker. I think he just plays so dang fast, people think he's small. He blew up the combine. He plays strong. He's honestly less of a projection than Miles Jack. I mean, we got to see what he did at Mike a little bit. We got to see what he did at outside linebacker. I love him to play Will for some team. I think that team, where he's being mocked all the time, is Atlanta. And he would be huge in IDP if he went to Atlanta because Warlow can't make a tackle to save his life. And, and Lee went as the 1.02 in, in this mock draft that you hosted. Our buddy over at DLF, Eric Olinger, took took him in that second spot. What about the, the 1.03 was our first edge player, DeForest Buckner, the Clemson kid. Talk a little bit about, j- just in general, the value difference between top linebackers and top edge players. So, top linebackers versus top edge players. If an edge player is elite, they make a difference, that's for sure. But if they're not elite, I'd rather have a middling linebacker than I would have a middling defensive end talent. And the defensive end talent matters a lot. Just to correct you, sorry, uh, Buckner's from Oregon, not Clemson. There's a lot of nice edge guys from Clemson. We'll talk about Lawson and Dodd, but yeah, he's from Oregon. Um, Buckner has all – I think he's a top prospect because he translated on the field. He, he, w- he showed he was a- able to two-gap this last year. He showed he was able to one-gap and get after the passer, and he has this huge frame. There's so much to grow on. So he can play year one 
and then he has the upside of really anyone there is. So I understand the Buckner thing, but you know he's not he's not JJ Watt right now. That's for sure. All right, Eric. Just to kind of spill the beans here a little bit on the top twelve that go in this draft, Leonard Floyd goes at eleven, and Buckner goes three. And on this list that I'm looking at, they're both called edge players. And I understand that we don't know what teams they're going to go to yet, what schemes they're going to go to yet, but they're not at all similar. I mean, if those two walk in the room, DeForest Buckner and Leonard Floyd don't look alike. They aren't the same type of player. What's up with that? Yeah, we consider them both edges because they both rush, mostly rushed the passer in college. I mean, even Floyd did a lot of different things his last year. I mean, Buckner's, what, 6'7", 280 or something insane, and Floyd's 6'4", 240. Yeah, they're completely different players. If Floyd plays edge in the NFL, he's going to play outside linebacker. I've heard him being projected as what we'll call an off-the-ball linebacker, and that would be bigger for IDP reasons. Now, in college, what I saw from Floyd is, is that if his assignment was kept simple, he did big things. Like when they said, just pin your ears back, don't worry about sealing the edge, don't worry about who's behind you, don't worry about the play action, just hit the passer, he did really well. When they said, follow these two gaps, he did well. But when he had indecision, he really struggled. Todd McShay's been saying that he's about the hottest name going right now, and that he thinks he's going to go maybe top eight. I mean, from what I've seen from him, that's a little crazy to me. I mean, I don't think he's Vaughn Miller by any stretch of the imagination. But for IDP reasons, if he goes to a team like Vaughn Miller and be called a linebacker, he, like you kind of said, he does a lot of things. He does a lot of things, but as an outside linebacker, he doesn't bring you a ton of value unless he's pulling down 20 sacks, and he's not going to do that year one. Andy's raw. We don't know what he's going to be projected to. It, it's kind of a mess with him, and yeah, he's a sexy name. Everyone loves him up high, and if you go to player profile and you look at his spider graph, the whole thing's gray. I mean, he basically blew out everything in the combine. I get it, but it's not completely there on film. He might be Marcavis Mingo. That, that could be true. I, I think we're going to get a little more from him, but yeah. At the 1.04 pick of, of this rookie mock was one of the big names in this draft, a, a name that everybody's familiar with, Joey Bosa, the edge player from Ohio State. You know, he was once viewed as, as maybe the top overall pick a few months ago, and his stock seems to be dropping a little bit. What's his dynasty IDP value looking like? Some people love him. To me, he's extremely high floor, but not a super high ceiling. Some people, like, most people like him as a six-seven tech. I like him as a five tech. He's probably good as a six-seven. I think he's going to be a much better football player than he is fantasy player. He's probably a six-seven-eight sack guy. You know, fifty-sixty tackles. I think Mike Daniels. I think that's what you're that's what you're looking at from an IDP stance, which is a helpful player, but not elite. And, but I think he's going to make a team a lot better. I think he's going to get double teamed a lot, but it's the, the value's not there for me at the 104 here, 105, 104. He's not super twitchy. I mean, and I don't mean to use this comparison, but a player dawned on me just for IDP reasons. What about a guy like Michael Bennett or Justin Tuck in his prime, you know, that are really a defensive end, but they bump inside and are highly disruptive? I would think that gives you a little more boost than Joe Average 4-3 defensive end. No, I think you're right. I think he'll bump inside when you run 4-2-5 nickel or that type of thing. I, I think you're dead on there. So there's more value, but it's the ceiling's just not there for me. So I don't, I, I don't 
know how these tiers break down in this first round, but my untrained eye looks like after the 1.04 pick, we might see a drop in, you know, a drop to that second tier. We saw Jack and Lee go with the top two overall picks, the top two linebackers, then a couple of edge players. Are we now into the second tier of linebackers? Um, the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth pick are all linebackers uh, in this mock draft. So is, is that the case that we're now moving into that second tier of linebackers? Eric, before you answer that, though, don't you think the jury's still out on Reggie Ragland if he's a three-down guy or not? I mean, I know Nick Saban pulled him off the field a handful of times, but if he goes to the Packers that don't have anybody, maybe he kind of lucks into a situation. Yeah, I totally agree. I love the Packers fit. I've been we did a, a mock on S2S uh, Sunday to Sun or Saturday to Sunday, and I put him. I love the fit at the Packers. I think it's obvious pick if he's there because he lay, allows Clay Matthews to get outside. That allows them to get better at two positions right away. And you're right. I think with Green Bay, he's going to play three downs. He's going to be the, the green dot linebacker, the guy calling the plays, that type of thing. But you're right. He could come off the field. He could be a two-down thumper. Or at Alabama, we know on third down, he rushed the passer a lot. Well, why didn't they drop, drop him into coverage? It, it probably means there's a hole there, and, and that's concerning. But, but Ragland is – to me, he's this year's Denzel Perryman. Okay. So you don't think he's Hightower from his Alabama days? No, no, I, I don't think that. To, to answer the early question, I don't know if Ragland's a step down in tier or not. Maybe it's a half tier here. I mean, if, like you said, if Ragland goes to Green Bay, he's in that upper tier. He's going to go in the top five IDP players. If he goes somewhere else where he could get pulled off the field on third down, then, yeah, it gets a little dicier. And what's crazy, too, about Alabama is there's a chance – that the guys that he's playing with at Alabama are more talented than the linebackers he goes to in the pros. You know, like, you, you probably know better than I do, but it might come out a year from now that there's this stud second-level linebacker from Alabama that that's the only reason Raglan came off the field because this guy is unbelievable. You know, that not that Alabama's more talented than the Packers, but their inside linebackers might be. Yeah, that could be the case, but you also have to – he was playing behind Ashawn Robinson and Jaron Reed. I don't right. think gap reads get any easier than playing behind those two guys at the college level. Couldn't agree more. I think he's an overrated player overall. So, Eric, the next two players coming off the board at six and seven are a couple of linebackers that I'm not familiar with, which basically means they haven't gotten any – big media coverage on ESPN or NFL Network. Uh, Joshua Perry, the linebacker from Ohio State, and Deion Jones from LSU came off in the middle of the first round. Any quick thoughts on, on those two guys? Well, yeah, neither are huge names in the media, but Deion Jones is a hot name in the IDP circles because odds are he's probably the, the next sexiest will behind Darren Lee. It, he had, I think he ran 4.38 at his pro day. Um, he's just he just has he's super rangy. He's got big wheels. He's going to track people down. Probably get a ton of tackles. Go to a four three team, and just run all over the field crazy. I like that a lot. I don't love his tackling skills. He missed a lot of tackles. He missed some reads, but you got to love the upside. And as far as wills go in this class, th there's not a ton more after him. So I like the pick there. Um, so I think that's where we go there. The only other will I like a lot. Is a guy named Devondre Campbell out of Minnesota. He he also has the athleticism, but he doesn't have the production. But I think on the field, you just saw it. He didn't know what to do. 
when he knew what to do, he really excelled. And what I heard from the Shrine game is he took to coaching extremely, extremely well. Uh, a couple scouts had to co go up to him and apologize for ripping him so hard. So I like Devondre Campbell as a, a poor man's Deion Jones. The other guy is Joshua Perry from Ohio State. To me, he's a poor man's Raglan. He makes good reads. He's a strong tackler, has good instincts, but the athleticism's just not there. So as a layman, I'm sitting here thinking Cravens from USC should be in this conversation. Is the hesitation at this stage of the game that he'll get drafted by someone who lists him as a safety? I think I think Cravens is safety. I mean, he's okay. 220. He didn't blow up the combine like I expected. I think he's an in-the-box safety. If he goes to the right team, he could be Deion Buchanan. If he goes to the wrong team, he could be like a, a situational big nickel. I'm just scared terrible, of the right I now. I mean, a situational big nickels, I assume, is IDP garbage. Yeah, totally. At the 1.08 pick, we, we've got a huge name, and you, you've already um, talked about him a little bit, Eric. Jalen Smith, the linebacker from Notre Dame, you know, obviously everybody knows his story that he suffered that, that gruesome injury in the bowl game, and, and that's the only reason he would be available with the eighth pick in a rookie draft. It's the only reason he'll probably be available in the second or third round this weekend. Uh, he, he's another guy that was in contention to be a top five pick. So a tough story to see with this kid, but uh, you know, hopefully he can get healthy. You've already mentioned that he's a top two pick pre-injury. So I'll, I'll just let you wish a little bit on this. Any NFL team, where would you like to see him land that, that would be both the best fit for his skills and would would hopefully be patient with him? I, I got to go, so I can't take credit for this. Paul Pertichese came up with this when we were doing a mock or we were going through the divisional coverage set from Saturday to Sunday. I like him at the Vikings a lot. Can you hmm. can you even fathom uh, you know Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, and Jalen Smith linebacking core. That's that the whole core of that team signed through 2019. They're they're ready to compete right now. The roster's pretty good to go. They're one of the teams that could sit on Jalen Smith for a year and then use him. So I really like him in purple. His knee scares me, but I'm going to go back to what Matt said earlier. Is that it? It depends where we go in the draft. If he goes early in the draft, I think we know that his knees. A lot of teams think his knees going to be good in a year. I like the Vikings call. I mean, especially because defensive-minded head coach, great supporting cast, like you said. Greenway can hold down the fort for a while, so and they don't have a lot of needs. I mean, they get a wide receiver in round one, take this guy in round two or round three, redshirt him, and then unleash him on the world next year. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that's a, a really good fit for him, and he'd be in the number one conversation for sure if he was healthy. And a lot of people consider this a risky IDP pick. I think there's value here. It's almost like a Kevin White pick, pick from last year, or in IDP, a Dante Fowler pick. Those guys haven't lost value. In, unless we get some like terrible news, they're going to hold their value all the way until next season. So Jalen Smith is the same deal. You can, if you draft Jalen Smith in the second round of your rookie draft, in you know, in the full rookie draft with the offensive players, you can trade him for a second next summer. There's no issue there. So he's a little insulated. You know, there feels like there's risk, but there's actually some safety. I would I would think that name value alone would you know would help him maintain that value throughout the the season, assuming he doesn't play in 2016. So that that's a good call as well. The next two guys are a couple of edge players, and and again these are big names. These are 
players expected to go in the first round. Uh, Shaq Lawson, and he is from Clemson, and Noah Spence, uh, one of my Kentucky guys from Eastern Kentucky University, formerly of Ohio State before he had some some off-field issues. Compare those two players in their style and, and what they bring to the field. Eric, before you do, too, are Ogba and Dodd right in that conversation, too? I mean, if this pick, if this draft were to win a couple more picks, are they considered in that same tier? I mean, I'm not a big Ogba guy, but I would take Dodd over Lawson or Spence as football players right now. Uh, I agree with a lot of that. So I like Dodd more than Lawson as a football player and a fantasy. And I'm, I'm, you and I are in the minority there. Most people like Lawson more because he's more of a pure. I bet the bench. NFL doesn't. Yeah, I don't think so either. Lawson was one of, or Dodd was one of the most productive players in college football last year. I think he had 24 tackles for a loss, 12 and a half sacks. He has the ability to two gap and one gap. He has some of the best hands in the draft. His ability to to rip, pull, swim, move, those type of things. They're only second to. They're not second to anyone, really, but Rankins is up there and maybe Bronson Kafusi with these amazing hands that Dodd has. Dodd's slower overall, but I think he has a better first step than Lawson. So I think Dodd's up there for me. He went in the second round of this mock. Most people don't like Dodd as much, but I love him. I think he's a good fit anywhere where they run a 4-3 and they need a, a 5-tech on that strong side if they run a 4-3 under type of deal. Uh, Shaq Lawson, I think we're pretty confident that he's going to go to a 4-3 and play a true edge. I like that a lot. But Spence and Ogba? Well, let's talk about Spence first. I think odds are Spence is going to go to a 3-4 team, like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh would love to rush him off the off the side as a 3-4 as a outside linebacker. That's where I see him fitting. I don't like him with his hand in the dirt. And same thing with Ogba. I know I'm in the minority here, but Ogba has a terrible first step, and if Ogba gets stopped... His, his counterpunch, his second move, is is terrible. So I'm really worried about Ogba. I'm not a big Ogba fan. Do you agree Lawson gets a lot of hustle sacks too? I mean, not that he's a bad player, but he kind of reminds me of – I don't know who he reminds me of, but he seems like he has a pretty high floor, but I don't see Pro Bowls in his future. No, I don't think so. And I think some of those sacks – I mean, I think Lawson and Dodd complemented each other. I mean, some of those sacks he got was because the quarterback – Quarterback couldn't go the other way because Dodd just you know, he compressed the pocket in sometimes a two-gap style, grabbing that right tackle and just driving him home. The last player in the mock draft or in the first round of the mock draft was Jatavis Brown, a linebacker from Akron, and he's an, uh, obviously another guy, small school guy, not getting a, a lot of hype. So tell us what you know about Brown. Yeah, this is a fun pick, and I, I got to call out. There's a IDP with B. Most IDP people are, are familiar with him. That's who made this pick. B B is known for his IDP talent, so I got to respect any pick he makes here. And put on the tape of this kid. Wow. I mean, he has a just an unbelievable rope motor. He ran a four four seven at the regional combine. He just he, he he feels like Eric Kendricks. Now, some of his production came at a level that's not going to happen in the NFL. There's a few times where he just, like, jumped through the line of scrimmage before anybody knew what was happening. That's not going to happen at the NFL, but his ability hey, to— Hey, I like, was the director of football officer Akron. You know, you be careful there. <laughs> <laughs> his ability to wiggle through blocks and get to the ball is just outstanding. I like him as a will. He's kind of small. He's six foot two twenty. There's a few plays, if he's not on his game and using his hands and trying to stay clean— that he just got absolutely trucked by a few guards. 
So he's got to watch that. But I, I think he could have a future as a will in the NFL, and I, I love the hustle in, in a class where there's really not that many wills. Eric, I want to get into some of these other positions now that you went through the first round of your mock. It's a really, really good defensive tackle class, but there's not many good, you know, IDP people, I would think. I mean, you don't want Jerron Reed. You don't want, you know, Andrew Billings, those type of guys. You know, you want them on your football team, but they're not going to put up stats. But two guys I think you'd – my hunch are you're excited about, Rankins and Bullard, or maybe even Sheldon Day. And what about Ndiche too? I mean, if, if he can be a defensive end slash defensive tackle and is listed as a defensive tackle – there's a couple of penetrators in this group that are big boys that could make some noise. Yeah, I totally agree. This defensive tackle class is awesome. Yeah, it is. For for IDP purposes, it's not really that good a class. But if if you if Quan Short scored well in your league, then let's talk because we have some defensive tackles we need to talk about tonight. And Sheldon Rankins is one of them. My concern with Sheldon Rankins is he's probably the best true three tech one gapping defensive tackle in this class. His hands, his first step, his spin move are insane. His ability to get to the quarterback is really, really nice. I don't know about his ability to hold the point of attack on run plays. I, He's okay two-gapping. I'm concerned he's going to be a rotational pass rusher at first. I think he'll figure it out and be a full-time player, but I like Rankins. Rankins is probably going top ten. I heard wonderful things from the senior bowl practices. I, I get where you're going there. I can't believe he'd get past the Saints. I mean, he's going to get drafted high. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think you're right. And any three-tech three starving team is, is going to take him, anybody that needs inside penetration. Kimdichi I like, too. He's just such a head kick. He, well, head, he's just a weird dude. I think that's the best way to say it. So I don't know where to put him. I like the talent, though. I get it. Uh, two guys you didn't mention that I like a lot are Vernon Butler and mm -hmm. Louisiana Tech and Chris Jones from Mississippi State. Uh, Vernon Butler, I think, is the best kind of – he can one-gap and two-gap better than anyone. I love him going to Denver at 31. I think he's a, a slam-dunk Malik Jackson replacement. He looks like Malik Jackson. I mean, he can two-gap, he can penetrate, collapse the pocket, do really good things. Once again, you're not interested unless Kwan Short scored well in your league. Uh, the other guy is Chris Jones. Chris Jones is a little more of a two-gapper, but he also you know, collapses that pocket. He's just a beast of a man. So those are some defensive tackles I like. You brought up some good names, too. There's some really fun guys, but you got to have defensive tackle premium scoring or these guys are boring to you. What about Bullard, though? I mean, I, I, could, I could see somebody listing him as a D-end or D-tackle. I would think landing spot's really important for him. I see Bullard kind of like Bosa, kind of like Dodd. I like Bullard a lot. I, 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 I think he looks like Dodd. He's just a little more inconsistent with his hands from play to play. And his first step, sometimes he gets a little stifled. But I, I like him. I think he's going to play five-tech. And then, like we said, probably kick inside when they run 4-2-5. He's probably like a mid-second round pick you know, on, on, on Friday. Yeah, I, late first, uh, late, late, or late first, early second, I'd, I'd agree with that for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you talked about the defensive tackles. What about the safeties? None, none of those defensive backs went in the first round, which – from my understanding, is, is pretty common. Those are not going to be high targets in IDP drafts. But are there any safeties IDP guys should be looking at? Of, of course, Jalen Ramsey's probably going to be a top five pick in the draft. Who else besides him? And, and feel free to share your thoughts on him as well. Eric, just to, to tell our listeners, though, true or false, you'd, or, do you consider this to be a true statement? 
and I know these lines aren't always clear, but a, a, an old school strong safety is going to produce a lot more than an old school free safety, right? I mean, Paul Amalu versus Ed Reed. Yeah, completely. In in that, I keep referencing this league because it's our best attempt, the best attempt I've ever seen of equalizing the scoring. Even in that format, guys like Earl Thomas still didn't weren't still the top in scoring. So really amazing free safeties still don't score, even if you crank up passes defended and do all kinds of stuff. We just can't differentiate the safeties because we don't know the difference. People sure. like Buffalo run interchangeable safeties, and other teams run you know true strong in the box safeties. You know the Giants love to do that. So in this class, Jalen Ramsey, I talked about Earl Thomas. He's kind of an Earl Thomas comp. He has the name cachet. He's probably going to be an amazing NFL player that's going to change a team, but he's probably not going to score that well for your IDP squad. So it makes sense he fell, especially with all these smart IDP guys. And he could also play corner, and he might be a shutdown corner, which is like Matt, you said earlier. I mean, that could tank his value as well. So I get it. The other two safeties kind of worth talking about in the first round that I've heard in like IDP first round. The first one's Keanu Neal. I've been high on this guy for three or four months. Um, he is just a battering ram. He kills people. Uh, he's probably going to get some penalties. But I love his ability to hit. He hits hard, but he's a form tackler a good bit. He makes really solid reads. And I think he's won't be that big a liability in coverage so he can stay on the field. So Keanu Neal is probably my top safety. Um, if Carl Joseph was was healthy, he would be my top safety. I actually had Carl Joseph above Landon Collins yet last year before Carl Joseph decided not to declare. I think Carl Joseph is the most all-around safety in this class. He has better coverage skills than Keanu Neal, and he's almost as good as hitter. Uh, he's just a little smaller, six foot, 205 or so. So his, his size is a little bit of a concern. Those are the safeties I like. I have concerns about the rest of the guys people were talking about. We could dig into them, but I don't think we have time. But just, just to lay them out there, that's Darian Thompson from Boise State, Miles Killebrew from Utah, Jeremy Cash from Duke, uh, Tevin Carter from Utah. But do you agree with me? And I've really taken notice of this because I'm in Pittsburgh, and I think that they're looking, not for Paul Amalu, but they're looking for a true strong safety type. And I think they might be able to find you know, somebody to choose from in the second, third round, Cash. You know, There's a handful of guys there that I would think in the IDP world might pay off for you in a, you know, as a nice pick late. They could. It just depends on fit and where they go and whether they play. We just have to watch the draft. I mean, that's, that's going to change the value of a lot of these guys. This yeah. class is pretty one-dimensional in my view, is that once you really get past Ramsey and Joseph, everybody's a true strong or they're like a free safety like Tyvis Powell. So uh, before we wrap up tonight, I want to circle back to some of those top guys we talked about that, that went at the top of the rookie mock. And as we said, this mock draft that you guys ran was IDP only. I, I don't think that's a common thing. I, I assume that most IDP leagues combine their offensive and defensive players in, in rookie drafts. So in that type of draft, where's a guy like Miles Jack going to go? Is he a first-rounder, or are all those guys going to fall to the second round? There's a chance somebody could take him in the late first round if they don't like the offensive talent. And this, this, this class is a little depressed. But guys like Sterling Shepard, I'm taking ahead of an IDP guy. Uh, Michael Thomas at OSU, I'd probably take him ahead of an IDP guy, even in more even scoring. I, don't, I personally won't touch an IDP guy until the second round, even in even scoring. The problem is, unless they become just absolutely elite, 
you can never trade them for more than a second round pick. So that's why I'll never touch in the second round. So for me, 203, 204, 205, that's where I'm taking Darren Lee, Miles Jack, if he's a high draft pick and we feel good about his knee, and then maybe Jalen Smith in the third or the fourth. All right. Well, again, we're so glad to have Eric Coleman with us tonight, schooling us on on IDP and, and these incoming rookies. Eric, thanks for being with us, and, and tell everyone where they can find your work. Yeah, I'm a dysfunctional member of the DLF family still, so uh, you'll find my writings up there every now and again. Uh, you can hear me mostly every week on the Saturday to Sunday podcast, hanging out with my boys, Paul Pertichese and uh, Brenna Jones and Matt Caraccio, which is a good time. We talk prospects all year, defensive and offensive, so you should enjoy that. And you can just catch me on Twitter at Utah EC, and we can talk uh, IDP anytime you want. Thanks again, Eric, and uh, we'll be back next week reflecting on the NFL draft and all that we've learned this weekend.